Sunday Sermons from Trinity UMC in Lincoln, a podcast to help on the faith journey. Now on to this week's message from Pastor Jeff Slater. Have you ever been thrown into the deep end? You know, a big part of today's uh, scripture story is about call and how God calls us to do things, big things and small things. And as you might expect, since I'm a pastor standing up here talking, hearing that call to go into pastoral ministry is a big part of, uh, is my usual example for my own life. And at the time, I was a meteorologist. Now, think about this for a second now. When you're a meteorologist going to college, uh, you, uh, when you're a meteorologist going to college, tests are formulas and math equations and things like that, right? I was never a very good writer. Like, I enjoyed English class when English teachers would explain what's going on in literature. I enjoyed that quite a lot, but stringing my own words together was never, uh, was never uh, one of my particular uh, strong suits when I was earning my Bachelor of Science degree. And by the way, yes, you all have a preacher with a BS degree, but you could just consider that another time. (laughs) But after I felt the call from God, I had to go back to school, right? And I will never forget that first two-page paper, that two-page paper that I struggled to write to summarize what I had read in a book. I'll also never forget that first 20-page paper, I'm going to need toes now, (laughs) and how difficult it was for me to string all of those words together. I realized that I had been thrown into the deep end, not just as a pastor, but with going back to school too. And yet, somehow, I got there. So this fall, uh, at least up until Christmas, we are uh, going through parts of the Old Testament. And it's more com- it, the uh, scholars are, are trying to push us to call it the Hebrew Bible now, so I'm trying to make that shift. Uh, but we're going through, uh, we're going through that, first, uh, that first two-thirds of the Bible and revisiting some of those stories uh, that we so often neglect when we focus so very much on the stories of Jesus. And today, we get to one of the greatest stories in the Hebrew Bible, at least it's one of my favorites, and that's the story of Moses' call into ministry. So much happens in this story. A little bit of background for you, though. So, we, uh, a few weeks ago, we had the story of Abraham and Sarah, the birth of their son Isaac. Uh, last week, we had Jacob, uh, who wrestled with God, and God dislocated his hip. I brought my story into that one even more so, for obvious reasons, since I had hip surgery uh, uh, only a few months ago. But uh, after that, there was a time where the, uh, the Hebrew people were enslaved in Egypt. Now, you can read that story another time. It is certainly worth knowing. If you've seen Joseph in the amazing Technicolor dream coat, you at least know some version of the story, right? But at this point, they've been uh, enslaved in Egypt for some time, building the pyramids and things like that, not treated very well. And along comes the baby Moses. Now, Moses' the story of baby Moses is also worth going to read, but long story short, he ends up growing up in, uh, he's born a Jew, one of the slaves, but is adopted by Pharaoh's daughter, so by the king's daughter, and he grows up in the royal household. And so in some ways, he has one foot in both worlds, and he's able to speak to both. But at this point of the story, he's out helping his father-in-law take care of the sheep. So he's a shepherd. 
Uh, he's gone through most of his life. He's probably uh, middle age, pushing even older age at this point. Doesn't seem like his life has amounted to too terribly much, but taking care of sheep is a good thing, right? Now, uh, we had Sandy a few minutes ago read five verses. Fair warning, today's scripture is actually a chapter and a half. <laughs> I'm going to read a little more for you, but trust me, it is such an engaging story, I'm not going to have to add very much to it at all. Okay, so Moses was taking care of the flock for his father-in-law Jethro, Midian's priest. He led his flock to the edge of the desert and came up to God's mountain called Horeb. Horeb, that mountain comes back again and again in the Hebrew Bible. The Lord's messenger appeared to him in a flame of fire in the middle of a bush. Moses saw that the bush was in flames, but it didn't burn up. You know how you're driving along the road and you just see something on the side and you think, what's going on over there? You know, that's how it was. He was traveling along the road and he sees this bush that's on fire, but you know, you're not, you're not exactly traveling at 75 miles per hour here, so he has plenty of time to watch and the bush isn't burnt up and he's wondering what's going on. So Moses said to himself, let me check out this amazing sight and find out why the bush isn't burning up. So he pulls over to the side of the road and gets out to check it out. When the Lord saw that he was coming to look, God called to him out of the bush, Moses, Moses, Moses said, I'm here. <laughs> what, do you, what do you say when a burning bush starts talking to you, right? <laughs> and so in the words of the song anyway, here I am, Lord, he says, here I am. Then the Lord said, don't come any closer. Take off your sandals because you are standing on holy ground. I am the God of your father, Abraham's God, Isaac's God, and Jacob's God. And Moses hid his face because he was too afraid to look at God. And then the Lord said, I've clearly seen my people oppressed in Egypt. I've heard their cry of injustice because of their slave masters. I know about their pain. Can you imagine the Israelites ever thought that God had abandoned them? Huh. I've come down to rescue them from the Egyptians in order to take them out of that land and bring them to a good and broad land, a land that's full of milk and honey, a place where the Canaanites, the Hittites, he goes on here for a while. <laughs> now the Israelites' cry of injustice have reached me. I've seen just how much the Egyptians have oppressed them. So he's talking to Moses, right? So get going. Those are the words. So get going. I'm sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. You know, what other Jew could go and talk to Pharaoh, the king, except the one who had grown up in his household with one foot in each world? But Moses said to God, who am I to go to Pharaoh to bring the Israelites out of Egypt? He's scared, right? He knows what a big thing that is. He knows you, you, you don't just go before the Pharaoh with any old request. And so he's scared. He says, who am I to go? And God says, I'll be with you. And this will show you that I'm the one who sent you. After you bring the people out of Egypt, you will come back here and worship God on this mountain. But Moses said to God, if I now come to the Israelites and say to them, the God of your ancestors has sent me to you, they're going to ask me, what's this God's name? What am I supposed to say to them? In other words, this whole thing's kind of hard to believe. What am I supposed to just, 
like they're not going to just leave, right? They're not going to believe that I talked to a bush and the bush told me to do this, right? That's basically what he's saying, right? And so he asked God his name, and God says to Moses a Hebrew phrase whose grammar is almost impossible. In fact, it is impossible. We studied it when I was in seminary. It's usually translated, I am who I am. But you know, past tense, present tense, future tense, it's really mixed up in the way the grammar is. So it's I am who I am, but it also means I was who I was and I will be who I will be. It means I was who I will be and I will be who I was. It means I am. Existence itself, time itself, this is God and this is my name. I am who I am. So say to the Israelites, I am has sent me to you. God continued, Say to the Israelites, Lord, the Lord, the God of your ancestors, Abraham's God, Isaac's God, and Jacob's God has sent me to you. This is my name forever. This is how all generations will remember me. Go and get Israel's elders together and say to them, the Lord of your God. So he repeats a little bit here to make sure Moses gets the point, right? And it says, so now let us go on a three-day journey into the desert so that we can offer sacrifices our God. That'll be the end of it for the people, right? And I'll make it so that when you leave Egypt, the Egyptians will be kind to you, and you won't go away empty-handed. Then Moses comes up with yet another excuse. I actually counted. We're up to Moses' third uh, excuse now, his third time telling God, but, but God, I can't. But God, here's why this won't work. This is the third time he's done it. Moses replied, but what if they don't believe me or pay attention to me? They might say, the Lord didn't appear to you. So the Lord says to him, what's that in your hand? And he replied, a shepherd's rod. The Lord said, throw it down on the ground. So Moses threw it on the ground, and it turned into a snake. Moses jumped back from it. Then the Lord said to Moses, reach out and grab the snake by the tail. So he did. He grabbed it by the tail, and it turned back to the shepherd's rod in his hand. God continues, do this so that they will believe that the Lord, the God of their ancestors, has in fact appeared to you. Now, God gives them a couple of other things that he can do to show and to prove to them. But Moses, are you counting? We're up to the fourth excuse now. But Moses said to the Lord, my Lord, I've never been able to speak well. Not yesterday, not the day before, and certainly not now, since you've been talking to your, ser- since you, since you've been talking to your servant. I have a slow mouth and a thick tongue. Now, I have a hunch that Moses was telling the truth here. Scholars have wondered, was he, was he partially mute? Uh, I think the, the most people, most scholars' best guess is that maybe he spoke with a stutter and had difficult to get, difficulty getting the words out. Have you ever encountered somebody that has a strong stutter like that? It takes patience to listen, to make them comfortable to get those words out. That's the best guess of where Moses was. And he knew that if he were face-to-face with the, with, with the, uh, the elders of the Jewish people, uh, the Hebrew people, let alone the Pharaoh, that the words wouldn't come. That's a, that's a pretty good excuse, you got to admit, right? <laughs> but the Lord said to him, who gives people the ability to speak? Does it sound like God's getting a little impatient now, that God's getting a little testy at all these excuses? Who gives people the ability to speak? Who's responsible for making them unable to speak or hard of hearing, sight, or blind? 
Isn't it I, the Lord? Now go, I will help you speak, and I will teach you what you should say. Okay, how many excuses are we up to? This is number five. And I have to admit, Moses puts kind of a weak effort with this one. Are you ready for it? But Moses said, please, my Lord, just send somebody else. <laughs> Have you ever had one of those moments <laughs> where, 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 where you know what you need to do, but you just, you just don't want to, you just can't? And so you say, please, Lord, just send somebody else. And so the Lord got angry at Moses, it says, and he finally agrees to send his brother Aaron along to help him with the speaking and to be a support for him. Now, isn't that interesting? Even when Moses gives his weakest effort as an excuse, God still gives him help for the journey. And I kind of like this at the end. The last, uh, the last verse of this is, take this shepherd rod with you too so you can do the signs. You know, as a parent, I kind of hear in there, Moses, you forgot the shepherd's rod. Put, put your shoes on. Come, no, 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 no. Don't forget the other shoe. It's time to go. <laughs> this is God saying, don't forget the rod. It's time to go. So God called Moses to do something great. Here he was in the middle of life. He had an odd childhood, privileged in many ways, and now he was a shepherd just tending his flock. He had a stutter or something like it. And God calls him in the middle of life to become a great leader. You know, there's a phrase that's developed over the decades that if you don't know it, you should. It's this. We have it on the screen. God doesn't call the equipped. God equips the called. Now, you can trade out that word equipped. In fact, sometimes it's good to. Maybe you could say God doesn't call the prepared. God prepares the called. The call comes before we are ready when it comes to God. Or maybe you could say God doesn't call the ready. God readies the called. You know what we're really talking about here, at least in the Christian sense of it, is baptism. You know, there's a reason we have this font here where it's in our uh, uh, view every week so that we can see it and remember. You know, when we're baptized into the faith, it's our way of acknowledging God's promise to be with us forever, but it's also us saying yes. It's us saying we're going to be with you, God. We're going to follow you. We're going to answer your call. It's us saying, well, we may not have heard you in a burning bush, God, but we have heard your voice. We know that you are real. And our baptism is our way of saying, here I am, Lord. Just like Moses did when he heard the voice out of the bush. It's our here I am. And we have such a tendency to forget it. We have such a tendency to go about our day to get busy with things and we forget that God still calls us. We forget to listen to that voice. And so every time we see this font, every time we remember our baptism is another opportunity to say, here I am, Lord. You know, one of the reasons, one of the things that Christians oftentimes argue about is whether or not to baptize infants. And we are uh, firm believers as United Methodists that infant baptism is not only acceptable, but in fact it's the best way to be baptized. And one of the reasons for that is that none of us is ever ready. 
<laughs> you know, if we wait until we're ready, where do, we, where do we draw that line? Am I ready at age 46? Am I ready to fully say, here I am, Lord? Well, no, <laughs> because if I'm honest, I make as many excuses as Moses does. And so, we answer God's call the as early as we possibly can, as early as we can hear it, even if that love is coming to us in the love of a mother and father or from wherever it comes. We have the opportunity to say, here I am, Lord. So it plays out in the big way like baptism, right? But it also happens again and again throughout all of life. You know, mission trips are a great example, like our team that you saw up here a few minutes ago. When you go on a mission trip like that, you don't know what work you're going to do. You know, it's not like they send you an agenda before you come. You may go and find out that this entire wall needs painted, and then you say, but I don't know how to paint. This has happened to me before, by the way. Guess where I learned to paint? on a mission trip. <laughs> when I said, but I don't know how to paint, do you want to know what they told me? Here's a roller. <laughs> you don't know. See, God doesn't, uh, God doesn't call the equipped. God equips the called. Uh, it's in so many uh, mission trips like that, you find yourself in a completely different culture, uh, talking to people who are different than anyone else you ever know because of their life experience and where they come from, and now you're in the middle of it, and it's uncomfortable, and you don't know what to do. But God doesn't call the equipped, God equips the called. You know, we, uh, we observed a suicide awareness uh, week uh, a few weeks ago, and I asked all of you to put the 988 uh, suicide hotline or mental health hotline number in your phones because, well, you can remember the number 988, but it's something that you can share. If you're ever in a conversation with someone who is in a mental health crisis, if you ever uh, uh, realize that you need to ask someone if they've ever considered killing themselves, that's scary, right? That's scary. Oftentimes, we don't ask that question even when we need to because we're afraid of the conversation that is to come, but God doesn't call the equipped. God equips the called. And you know what? We can go simpler still. We can go even more mundane even than that. I've heard from a lot of people that they don't know how to pray. Well, guess what? If you feel called to pray, just start. Just start talking to God. You can't make any more of a fool of yourself than you have the rest of your life if you're anything like me, right? So if you don't know how to pray, pray, and God will teach you how. Do you not get why we do communion? Have you ever wondered? Well, I'll talk about it from time to time. I'll try to help us learn. But there's a sense in which none of us really ever understands what happens at this table. And yet, we come up and we eat, and God shows us. God doesn't call the equipped. God equips the called. Are you afraid of joining a growth group or signing up for an Ignite class because you might have to put yourself out there in a way that's uncomfortable? Well, yeah, you might. <laughs> but God doesn't call the equipped. God doesn't call the ready. God readies the called. So what is your burning bush? What is your burning bush? What is it that keeps popping up in your life that you're afraid of? What is it that keeps coming your way, that keeps popping into your mind again and again that you're reluctant to say yes to? 
What do you keep making up excuses about and God keeps bringing back before your eyes? What is your burning bush? You know, when I went back to school, I did eventually get good at writing papers, so much so that like some kind of glutton for punishment, I went back for a doctorate. Now that's a long paper. (laughs) But you know what? I only take partial credit for it. It may be my fingers doing the writing. It may be my mind doing the thinking. But I know it's God who's called me, who called me and equipped me to do that. It's God who called and equipped me to do this. And so I see it as co-creation. It's part me. It's part God. And somehow, God turns it into something good. And isn't co-creation really what life is all about when we live fully? You know, when we started this Hebrew Bible journey with Adam and Eve, God didn't create the first humans to be servants or slaves, nor did God leave the first humans alone and abandon them, even when they failed, even when they messed up, even when they proved themselves not ready and not equipped. God didn't abandon them. No, God wants partners in creation. God wants people to work alongside and to create together. And so God calls our names. So the next time you come across a burning bush, who knows, maybe literally, but certainly figuratively, the next time you come across a burning bush, get out. Take off your shoes, for you are standing on holy ground. And say, Here I am, Lord. Here I am. Would you pray with me? Oh God, here we are. You call us to do scary things sometimes. But if we're honest, more often than not, we just keep on driving without stopping to see what this burning bush is on the side of the road. Oh God, give us eyes to see your call. Give us ears to hear you calling our name. And give us the courage and the faith to say, Oh Lord, the great I am, here I am. We pray it in the name of Jesus. Amen. Thanks for joining us for this week's Sunday Sermon. For more information on growth groups or how to more fully embrace the life of faith, visit us at www.trinitylincoln.org.